Simon Wollstonecroft is a drummer from Manchester. His first band at school was with Ian Brown and John Squire. His second band became The Smiths. He played with The Fall for 11 years and continues to play drums for Manchester bands today. Johnny Marr nicknamed him Funky Sai. This is Funky Sai's A to Z of Manchester. Hi, Simon. Are you OK? Hi, Jackie. Very well. How are you today? Yes, I'm all right. Thank you. I was wondering, while I was creating my culinary masterpiece earlier, I thought, Simon used to go to catering college. What's his signature dish? I thought to myself. Well, I did go to catering college to, uh, to get my city and girls. Great. In the 80s. Mm-hmm. I haven't really got a speciality. Oh, come on, there must be something that you just think, go on, I'll make well, that. Well, I got into a bit of uh, bother on the top of the roof of County Hall one day. Right. <laughs> um, there was a, a trial going on in the courts behind, mm. Minshall Street Courts, and uh, an IRA trial, and the, and the accused was coming every day in a police convoy. Right. About six police cars and motorbikes, a uh, quarter to eight every day. Mm. One day I went on the roof to have a cig and a nosy, you know, watch it go in. And they did, and it, along they came. And the next thing you know, I saw this police sniper in the bell tower... Oh, no. ..of the courthouse, um, with a rifle, obviously, and a great big pair of binoculars that had lenses the size of saucers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was looking straight at me. Of course he was. He was wondering what you were doing. Yeah, he, he, well, he would have been. But the next thing, he must have got on a walkie-talkie because he oh. rang up my boss, who came running up the stairs... <laughs> It said, Simon, Simon, get off the roof. And you're not supposed to go up there. No, of course you're not. At any time of day, but especially during something like this. And because of that, um, he reprimanded me and he exiled me to Farnworth, to a a truck mechanic's uh, canteen where I made egg and chips all the time. So (laughs) So I haven't got much experience. And I I, uh, I quit it to join the fall after I've been there for about six months. Oh, well, at least it was the fall's gain, wasn't it? That I'd whole like experience so, yeah. led to the, you getting to the fall, I think. I like to think. It was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no signature dish then, basically. I do a bit of fish um, for my girlfriend, right. Lulu. She likes sea bass. Oh, very you know, nice. Um, See? Now look at this. Bit of oil on it, doesn't it? <laughs> I haven't made it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of oil, maybe a bit of lemon. What are you some doing? Some herbs, yeah. Oh, Some herb. nice rice, wild rice, oh. um, a glass of uh, white wine. Look at you. You, you know, said you hadn't got me. a signature dish five well, minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I do quite like that one, myself. And now you like Jamie Oliver. <laughs> Okay, this week we're looking at C's, so what's your first C? Right, my first C is a piece of music called Classical Gas by Mason Williams. I know about this song because when I first heard Johnny Marr play the guitar round at his mum and dad's house in his box room when, when we first met, when we were 18 or whatever, he pulled out this acoustic guitar and started mm-hmm. playing Classical Gas. Now, I knew Classical Gas because... Um, Granada TV's Right to Reply used to play it as a theme tune. Ah, yes. I, I think remember. it was Right to Reply. I remember. Was it Dennis Norden? Oh, I don't know. Could it have been. It was the Anchorman. Mm. Um, either way, it was very familiar and it looks very complicated. I don't play guitar, although I dabbled on the bass a little bit. So he impressed you, did he? Absolutely. While he was playing this, is he just in his lapel, you know, on his jacket, <laughs> straightening in his hair? <laughs> And I thought, well, you know, he looked really good to start with, and I heard him play. 
well, he's the finest guitarist of my generation, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to see him in his little... Was he in a box room? Yeah, his mum and dad's. Uh, just sat on the end of the bed, and I was just leaning up against the window, so... And uh, he just picked it up, you know, like it was a, a, a part of his body. You know, he always had a guitar with him, always. I think most good guitarists do always have a guitar with them. Because, you know, it's a bit of an addiction. I was playing it. Well, it's a bit like you with your drumming, isn't it, I suppose? Once you start, you want to do it all the time. Yeah, I wish I could do it a bit more, but uh, I will I will be doing, you know. Once... Oh, yeah, you'll be back. Yeah, yeah. So he was in his bedroom, he's playing classical gas, and you thought, I need to join a band with this man now. Yes, I did. Um, my friend Dave Collum um, told me about him in the vine, Johnny, that is. He said, Side, there's a guy looking for a, a, a drummer called Johnny Marr. And he said, uh, I said, oh, right, OK, bring him in, I'll meet him. And so he came down, Johnny, dead swagger, you know, real swagger to me. <laughs> it's dead funny, Johnny. Uh, uh, I was just, he, he looked like Keith Richards or something, you know, with a leather jacket from Johnson's of London uh, on the King's Road there, you know, earrings, sort of quite messy black hair. He didn't bring his guitar to the pub. <laughs> no. But it wasn't long before we were sat round... Uh, Andy Rourke's dad, the bass player from the Smiths, um, and he's playing along to all this funk stuff, you know, and Bowie, and Grace Jones, a certain ratio, which uh, yeah, he I mentioned was, before. So was he already friends with Andy Rourke? Yeah, they went to school together. Oh, OK. Yeah, at St Augustine's. It's been knocked down now. There's a housing estate on it in Sharston. Right, OK. Oh, so they went to school together, and obviously you went to school with Ian and... John. Ian and John Squire. Yeah. yeah. But so, we met in the, in the vine there, you see, in Sale on the Washway Road. And that's how it came about, that um, I was in bands with both these people. And it all started with classical gas. Yeah. Well, yeah, the first time I ever heard him, Johnny, yeah. OK, my next C is going to be Terry Hall's, one of his bands, The Colourfield who I joined briefly. It was very brief. Uh, we did a TV show up in Newcastle on the Tube, but the band was The Colourfield. Um, after I turned the Smiths down, Johnny's wife, Angie, uh, worked at Vidal Sassoon's in Manchester, and Terry, who had moved up to Hadfield, I think, just outside of Stockport, used to get his hair cut in there, and he said, I'm starting a new band. Do you know any drummers? So Angie who passed it on to Johnny, who asked me. <laughs> so I went down and auditioned um, with the Colourfield in Leamington Spa on a recording studio. I can't remember the name of the studio. So when you're doing an audition for a, for a band, what, what is it they get you to do? Well, um, it might be one of the hits that they've had or it might be a new tune that they've come up with, you know. See what you come up with here, Si, you know. There we go. You know? Oh, so you just have to go for it. You might have to come up with something. Yeah, you might have to, yeah, yeah. Well, you might you might just know a band if it's a band that's been going a while. You might know the back catalogue anyway. Mm. So it's, I knew all the special stuff in case you uh, threw any of that at me. Yeah, you were ready. I was ready. Yeah, I bought "Waiting" by Funboy Three, fantastic album produced by David Byrne of Talking Ads. Uh, so I knew all the tracks on there. He didn't ask me to play either of them. Honestly, he was one of the ones that went right. We've got this riff here, you know. This is going to be the new single. See what you come up with here. Oh, wow. So uh, 
So you're not you're not daunted by that at all. You're not worried. Um, at that age, no, I wasn't. No, I was uh, when I was with Prefab Sprout in a studio in London at Nomis. They were looking for a drummer, basically, but I was a bit daunted because I got there and they, let, uh, they were lovely. Paddy, he's a lovely bloke. They're all nice, and that bass player, the big one. And he, <laughs> he said, "I'll be I'll be straight with you, Simon. We've got a." We've had Neil Conti in already, I'll just warn you. Before, that was before he even started. Well, I'd never heard of him at that point, Neil wow. Conti. But he went on to play with Dave Bowie. Oh, wow. Um, and it is fantastic. And the drums on those uh, that Cars and Girls record, just just superb. Thomas Dolby production. So I was a bit nervous when he said that, but uh, they were so nice. Uh, so, yeah, they're all different. I haven't, I haven't had that many auditions, really. Simon, you've been in many, many bands. There was another <laughs> band called Airborne in, in London. Uh, I can't remember when that was. It was a, just before I joined Ian Brown in 99. I think the kid was from Liverpool. They sounded a cross between New Order and The Prodigy. And uh, I, I went to that one. I got the gig and we all went out to celebrate and it, uh, I got absolutely smashed. Oh, no. And I must have insulted somebody. Oh, Simon. And woke up in my car with one shoe on and somewhere <laughs> near Hoxton Square. So that was the end of that career? It, well, with them, yeah. <laughs> so let's get back to the colour field. OK. <laughs> well, it was a TV show called The Tube. Oh, the tube was massive. It was it was a fantastic program, wasn't Everybody it? Everybody loved the tube. Friday night, live TV, yeah. live bands, anything could happen. And you know what? They had such a great variety of bands as well because they didn't they, they had everybody on. Yeah, they, they had the Smiths on there, the Four were on it. But they had like pop acts like Go West and Oh know, yeah, so, they were all there. Yeah, everybody Charday was there. Yeah, the everybody, day I was there. Everybody turned up on it. Everybody wanted to do it. Oh, I met Charday in the bar of the hotel. I love her voice. Oh, Isn't she good? Yeah, absolutely. But she said, you're not nervous, are you, Simon? You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was a bit, I've got to admit, because I, I think I was 21 then. And was this then. your first TV appearance? No, I've been on um, the money programme. Pardon? <laughs> for not drumming. <laughs> <laughs> Sat in a dentist chair with a dentist <laughs> working on my mouth. This has taken a very strange turn, Simon. What on earth were you doing on the money programme in a dentist chair? <laughs> well, um, must have been 1975, I think. You know the money programme? You know the theme tune? Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Smith, I think, played that. But um, they were doing a programme on NHS dental charges and I turned up for my appointment as normal. Went in. Didn't know what you were walking into. No, there was all these cameras and mirrors and lights. And uh, so I said, you don't mind, do you? I don't remember signing a waiver, come to think of Wait it. Wait a minute. I don't remember signing do a waiver. Do we need to get lawyers involved? <laughs> it's probably too late. Do you think? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they're asking the dentist about the charges, you know, how much they're going up, probably. Uh, while he worked on my teeth and the next day at school, Killer Killian, the economic stroke mathematics teacher, I think, basically said, Simon, I saw you on telly last night. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so uncomfortable because, you know, he was a teacher and uh, he was Killer Killian. He was the enemy. Um, right, let's get back to the tube. I don't know how these stories take these unlikely turns, Simon, but I'd, I'm enjoying it. Um, so let's get back to the tube and Sade. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that was it, really. We were we were the headline show, you know, the, the last act to go on. Because I've seen it, you can see it on YouTube. We did three songs, one of them, Kim Fowler's The Trip. We covered that song. He was a wild guy, wasn't he? Kim Fowler, producer. <laughs> he slept on my mate's couch for six months uh, in... in Alston in London. Did he? Yeah, Mike, yeah. <laughs> um, he's a producer as well. He learnt a few tricks off him while he was there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but basically, yeah, um, we did the show, I got paid. Trouble was, when I was rehearsing for the previous month before the show, the um, car engine blew up. I had to spend all my money on the Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> But, um, so, after you'd that, made, so you'd made loads of bunny for the first time in your life, and the yeah, whole lot, and the whole lot had to go on your car. Yeah. Oh, what? It was a triumph, oh, triumph. Oh, nice. Dolomite. Oh well. Not that reliable, really. No, but looked good. Yeah, they did some of them. Stag was nice. And I didn't, this was a smaller one. It's white. <laughs> Oh, why we used to drive around and call it the white chariot. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's get in the white chariot. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, uh, the weeds in particular. Yeah. And uh, Marky Smith used to say, he looked like the Furry Freak Brothers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be driving behind in the, their van, probably going up to Scotland, oh, across good. the mountains. <laughs> um, so, yeah, after that, that was it, really, Jackie. I said, what's happening to the manager who was called something Hadfield, Pete Hadfield? I said, essentially, we're down here in London or whatever, and you're up there, and uh, nothing else happened after that. So. Oh, so geography kept you apart. Well, it might have been other things, you know. Right. Because I wasn't, um, I'm, not, I'm no angel, or haven't been in the past, so. Okay. Um, that might be why, another yeah. reason. But I, I got paid, I did the gig. I just didn't really have, have a conversation at all with Terry Hall. Have you seen him since? No, I haven't. What? No. We might have to get a reunion sorted. Well, ask him, I'll do it. I think he's a great lyricist. Brilliant. I have seen Craig Gannon, who was on guitar. And by God, you know, I'm glad he was a lad from Salford. Did he continue with them, Craig? Only for a, a single or so, Castles in the Air, or I'm not sure what he played on. But the band didn't last that long, really, did they? No, they didn't, actually. Although somebody told me the other day, Happy Monday supported the colour field in Hull at the university, which I didn't know. Yeah, because uh, they hadn't invited you to play. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I might have been in another band. Might have. Well, do you know what? It's more than likely you were in another band. <laughs> right, the next one is uh, Cargo Studios. Now, in the late 70s... Um, I think he was a Granada TV cameraman. He was a mate of Tony Wilson's. Set up a studio in Rochdale, uh, right in the, near the town centre there. Called it Cargo. And he had a lot of indie people coming in. And Joy Division recorded their first record there, Atmosphere, the single, which sounds great, you know. You know that one, don't you? Yeah, of course. And uh, they had loads of people going in there over the years, including The Fall... And I think, I don't know if the four went in early doors, but they changed the name of the studio to uh, Sweet 16, because it was a 16-channel desk, as opposed to the 24 you get in London, or the 48, you know. They said it was a great sound, it had a concrete floor. But I went there, I think, about 1990 with the four, 
with uh, the late Rex Sargent engineering and Sean um, engineering. I think we might have done a bit of infotainment scam. This was the time the band got, um, well, Phonogram Records. They basically turned around and said, right, Mark, we wanted to hear your demos before, you know, we carry on the contract, you know, renew the contract. Oh, OK. And we were actually there at the studio at the time when this fax must have come through. And uh, so we started going there a lot, with it being in Rochdale. It's only 15 miles from Manchester. So we all used to get in the car and bomb it down there. <laughs> it was easy. It was like a go-to studio when there wasn't much money around. But they did pay for the, the time in the studio, I take it, in the end. The stu- um, I'm not sure they did, actually. Oh, Right, I'm not sure they did. Someone else that took over the payments. <laughs> because he wouldn't send in the demos to Phonogram Records, Mark. Um, how dare they, you know? And it's fair enough, you know, they know what they're going to get. And and especially by 1990, because yeah, between I, about 85 and 90 was, was a really good time for the fall. Yeah, it was. Um, we had a couple of, you know, hits. Uh, one of them got played in EastEnders Cafe, Victoria, by the Kinks. What, your version was on EastEnders? It was in the cafe. Oh, that's hilarious. And uh, I I did watch, well, not religiously, EastEnders. I'm more of a chorus man, but I don't even watch that anymore. Although I did see that lad, Steve MacDonald, the other day. (laughs) (laughs) In the mill mill in the northern quarter of the pub. Oh, okay. where, Where they have, you know, sort of cabaret type things on when it's open. Well, that must have been a while ago. It must have been about January, yeah. Yeah, February. I was going to say. What a lovely lad he is. Oh, did you speak to him? Yeah, I did, yeah. Oh, good he man. Cle- I think he must be the landlord because he was collecting the glasses, you know, going round every 20 minutes. You sure you weren't in the Rover's Return? <laughs> no, it's on Thomas Street, honestly. Oh, well, we're going to have to investigate that. Yeah. Well, I think that might have been a dream you had. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a witness, Brendan. Okay, yeah. we've got a witness. It must be true. <laughs> so, uh, where, where, where was Sweet I? Sweet 16. Yeah, um, we had a, a nice time there, Sweet 16. Lots of bands were in there. Roses, Happy Mondays, The Usual Suspects, and bands from out of town as well. O- o- OMD, I think they might have done something there. It was like a, a renowned sort of indie studio. Does it make a difference, the studio? It's quite important, the room that, well, for me anyway, which when you record the drums, you've got a lot of natural ambience. You know, some rooms are acoustically dead, whereas, yeah, whereas Abbey Road, you know, huge wood, parkade floor, Persian rugs, oh, you know, <laughs> it's quite a big difference. It really is. But, you, you know, uh, it wasn't, like I say, it wasn't as ch- uh, expensive as the London ones. So that's where we were going for the time being. And did you ever? Did you always do it separately? Was there never a time when you played all as a band at the same time and just recorded that? We, we always played together. Oh, so you never put the tracks down separately? So Drums, you, you mean? Well, anything. So, like, would somebody go in and do the guitar and then somebody would do the bass, or it, would you all try and do it? Well, it would be usually, well, during my, my period, Steve Hanley on bass, Craig Scanlon guitar, and myself on drums... People would come and go, but that was the, the core sort of engine room, if you like, for a long time, you know, for many years. But, yeah, we always used, always used to do it live, the three of us, and then stuff would get added, and Mark would come in, you know, late when everybody had gone home. Oh, would uh, he do his bit after Usually, everybody? yeah. Right. It, was, it was no good, you know. We'd, we'd work on stuff all day, whether it be in London or up here, and... <laughs> 
he'd come in late, you know, two or three hours, been in the pub, rubbish it all, <laughs> what we'd done, oh, start man. it again, faster, one, two, three, four, one, <laughs> faster, faster. <laughs> That's what it was like. So I sort of, sometimes it worked, but not always. And did sometimes you have to ignore him? It was hard because, <clears throat> excuse me, he was, he was paying our wages, you see, oh. getting a good salary for 10 years before it started to uh, dry up the well. Yes. <laughs> so well, you you'd, you'd, have to, you'd have to, if you wanted something and you've, it made you sound crap on the drums, so be it. So I sort of do regret a lot of the songs that I played were just him, you know, uh, speeding the song that we've been working out up twice as fast. Was there nobody in the band that could say, no, that's not right? Uh, no. No, there wasn't. No. And is it, was it because that all of you thought, well, we're getting paid for this, we'll just leave it? Absolutely, right. yeah. Right, OK. Yeah. Which is it, a shame. It is a shame because it could have been very different. But we did do some great stuff. Right, has anybody got those tapes? Well... There's some stuff on the published works. I think you'll find. Well, I know there's. The, I know we have got some good stuff. I'm just wondering if if there's some you know hidden gems that we've not probably, found. Probably is. You know, from some rehearsal room yes, somewhere before Mark got involved. But he tapes everything on the little dictaphone, of course. Everything, people's conversations. He didn't <laughs> all the time. The music, and he'd even master records from the recording on a cassette. I think Ben's, some of Ben's Sinister, if not all of it, was mastered off Mark's cassette. You know what I mean? Yes, but that's ridiculous. Well, that's the way he worked, and he was paying the wages. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, if he'd said jump off a bridge, would you have jumped off a bridge? Not for 300 quid a week in the 80s. No. 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 Corbiers, lovely bar there off St Anne Square. Was a regular haunt of mine and my friends and uh, people you know, I played in bands with. Had a great jukebox. It was renowned for its jukebox, the choices of songs. And we used to go there, but um, I did play there with The Weeds, which is Andrew Berry, Mike Rocco, later Carrie on guitar, doing a double sort of headliner with The Happy Mondays on the night that Tony Wilson signed The Mondays. Wow. And he wanted to sign the weeds as well, but Andrew said, no, we'll only sign with EMI. <laughs> That's what <I> said. <laughs> to Tony Wilson. Uh, so we never got signed by EMI. Goodness or, or factory. Simon, you were always surrounded by madmen. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely little bar. It's done out like a tapas bar. Yeah, you know, it's a cellar bar, isn't it? Cellar bar. You go downstairs yeah. to it, don't you? And it's very small. Yeah, and tiny. So to have live bands on is crazy. But yeah. I, saw, I saw a few bands in there. I played in smaller. Really? <laughs> wow. Salutations, uh, the pub in, uh, next to the university, that's pretty damn small. Right, wow. You know, the, the, the corner there. Yeah. You have to sit literally right in the corner <laughs> when you're um, But, so, yeah, Sally was great. We met up there. Before we're going to, you know, in 82, uh, the Hacienda, because we started going in 82, I did, when it first opened. Just as it opened. My sister worked there at that time, so she worked there, and Jeff the Chef worked there. Right, did he? Yeah, and he what did... What was he making? Uh, tapas? I don't know what he was playing at in those days. Right. Pizza, I think, I remember. Was it pizza? I think there was pizza involved. Right. Maria, my sister, put a lot of her singles on that jukebox. 
So that was great. And then when we moved to the Apsley Cottage, she took those singles with her. Okay. And told Dad to put them on the jukebox there, but he had to take the middles out, you know, the centre of the singles. Yeah, yeah. And Dad just piled them all up and got a hammer and, <laughs> <laughs> and tried to get all the centres out in one go. What, was a chisel or something? Oh, it was a disaster. Did it not work? No, of course it didn't work. Right. So it, every record sounded like that. Yeah, some of them came, those central discs, I don't know what they call those things. I don't know, but they will have a name. Space or whatever. Some of them came out easier than others, I Yeah, found. but some were just fixed in, I think. Yeah, some of them didn't have one, did they? No, but you had to knock them out with a hammer yeah. or not. A bit like an airfix kit, weren't they, sometimes? Yes. Yeah. So, no, not not a good move <laughs> from my dad. But, yeah, Colbiers was a great little pub. It was, and uh, it's still going. Still going strong. Yeah, I've not been for a while. It's, I think it's still the same owner. Oh, is it really? I think so, I'll yeah. I'll have to go and say hello. Yeah. <laughs> Carpe diem. Seize the day. <laughs> it was the name of a little band I was in. Um, after I finished with Ian Brown, I sort of got a bit uh, fed up for a while, six months. And then my uh, ex-wife said, oh, I've got a colleague at work whose son's in a band. Will you have a listen? You know, help him out a bit, whatever. I wasn't doing anything. So I ended up in this band called Carpe Diem. Four of us from Sale, based around there. Johnny Smale... Um, very talented guy, Royal Northern College guitarist, learnt guitar there. He was he was the he was the main man. We're tall, dark, good looking guy. Oh, <laughs> sounds like, nice. Yeah, like that um big what's he called? <laughs> oh, the actor. Hollywood actor from Ireland. It's been around a while. Uh he was in um Piers Brosnan? No. No. Uh come on, give us more clues. Oh, from Bruges, have you seen the film? Oh from yeah, Bruges? in Bruges. Oh I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah he's really handsome. What's um, he called? Oh, um, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Well, Johnny just looked like Colin Farrell. What? Yeah. Where is he now? Colin or Johnny? Johnny. <laughs> I think he's got a girlfriend. Oh, what? But uh, he he he, um, he played guitar on the theme tune for Funky Size A to Z of Manchester. This is great. Which you'll have heard. That's him playing. Yeah. So uh, what a great guy. Uh, it lasted for about two years before, or not even two years. Did a lot of recording in my mate Colin's kitchen in Sale uh, with an electronic drum kit we had in there. Uh, it was good fun, though. Yeah, no, that's good. And we got that good uh, music out of it. Yeah, we've got a great theme tune out of yeah, it. Yeah, I love that. Then I moved on to Jazz Kerr and the Family Bazaar after a couple of years with them. But, uh, yeah, that's Carpe Diem. <laughs> My next C is Cheetah Mill. <laughs> uh, now, used to be very good archers in Cheetah Mill. Did you know that? No. Yeah, back in the you know medieval times. And why would that be? I think it was because they're probably on the top of the hill. Oh, OK. <laughs> got, got an advantage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, we used to um, rehearse down there for a while in the early 90s, the fall, that is, uh, when we're doing the, about shift work time in a bunker-like building behind the NatWest Bank on on the main road. <laughs> and uh, it was owned by New Order, who, uh, you know, we knew and we toured with in America, ran a big stadium uh, tour on the, Calif you know, California. Yeah, Mark wrote a song about Cheetah Mill, which uh, I had a part in writing. So, I, I, you know, I did write a few for the fall. 
Xmas with Xmas with <laughs> Xmas with Simon was one of them. Should have just said Christmas. Well, you really should. <laughs> um, but Cheetah Miller wrote uh, also Free Range, which was the highest chart position an original four record ever got. And I, I did the mute, well, you know. And so you've got a writing credit on that one. I have. Oh, well done. Proud of that one. Yeah, that's good. There was a remix that um, never got released, which was so much better. Not a remix, like a demo that we did round at Dave Bush's house. Yeah, because he probably stopped Mark messing about with it. He, he said it was just too slick for him, I think. But I remember this piece of music we did at Dave Bush's on these Atari, you know, Cubase system. Wow. When we all used to hang out there, me, Steve and Craig, and write songs. But uh, yeah. so, so would you three try and write songs? Yeah, we did. And yeah. then what, you would have to take them to Mark, and then what would he say if he didn't? He'd go, I like that one. I'm not playing that rubbish, Craig. You'll have to pick it up. On <laughs> <laughs> the guitar, stuff like that. Um, so he was open at least to listening yeah, it, to it. Yeah, he'd, he'd take your ideas on board. Okay. Yeah, of course. Just like Ian Brown did with me and Golden Gaze, because I co-wrote that off the Golden Greats album. And would you like to do a lot more like songwriting? I would, I would. I should have uh, learned how to uh, work a computer properly, really. You know, Pro Tools and all that. I didn't. There's always time, Simon. Well, they say that, don't they? You've told... That's what you said to I'd, me today. I'd, ra- I'd rather be playing the drums, so, you know, proper uh, set of drums. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But, if it, you know, maybe maybe I could. But I've got ideas and I do, like, production techniques and I've been in a few bands where I've, you know, put my little bit of input in, you know, whether it's a, an effect on a, a snare drum or a swoosh or, a, you know... Uh, a string, some strings that you can play on, you know, keyboards. Uh, I really enjoy doing that. So you um, like collaborating? You don't, you wouldn't like to be sat on your own, you know? I don't, um, no, I don't. Writing mind. songs on your own. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thought about singing? Uh, no. Have no. you tried? I've tried when I've on my own, you know, but it's hard to do the drumming and the singing. And I'd have to do both. Listen, Phil Collins could do it. Yeah, but have you heard him? Yeah, <laughs> I have. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> no, it's it's really hard. Uh, Rennie can do it, sing and play, you know, like a demon. I think I'm just hearing excuses here, Simon. I would try it if somebody said, can you sing this, Simon? And I'd be on, locked in the rehearsal studio on my own and record it. I would attempt it. See how it came out. It'd be very soft, soft voice. Though. Mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, you know, theatrical. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to speak it, a bit like Bernard Sumner does with New Order. I yes. think. A bit like that. And Terry Hall to an extent, though he does sing a tune. Even Mark sang a tune sometimes. Well, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd have to speak it. Rather than try and hit those high notes. Right, well, we'll work on that. All right. <laughs> well, it's County Hall that we mentioned earlier in the introduction. I've been in Colourfield, 1984 it is. Went for a couple more auditions, uh, ABC being one of them. I had to get a job, cut a long story short. Um, I don't know why, but I went to study at the Salford University catering department signed up. But where did that interest come from? There was a lot of TV chefs just like there is now, you know, in the 70s. 
and they says, but I want to, I really want to be a marine biologist after I've seen Jack Cousteau. <laughs> <laughs> and I, still, I, went to, I went to South Trafford to do A-level biology with intention of doing that. But, of course, I ended up playing in, uh, with John and Ian and then the freak party and then this and that. And so music on. keeps taking you away from where you... Yeah, it does. You know, I don't regret it. Well, no. Uh, <laughs> so you were. So you, then you thought, well, I'll be Keith Floyd <laughs> or the Galloping Gourmet, whoever else was available. I, I, like, I like the Chinese guy, Ken Hom. Oh, yeah, Ken Hom. Yeah, very relaxing. You know, the way he speaks, a bit like that painter, Bob. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I saw it the other day. Exactly. He's so relaxing as far as. Yes. Well, perhaps um, you could do that. What painting? Look up here. <laughs> Perhaps you could mix the two <laughs> while the something's in the oven. <laughs> I mean, I'm not joking. That'd be a show worth watching. <laughs> be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah, it really would. Yeah. They'd be like, "This kid can do everything. He can do it all." The, the drummer chef. Uh, yeah, yeah, the drummer chef painter. I might, have, I might have a think about yeah. that. Just make a pie, and then you and Bez can sell it in your pie shop. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was ahead of his time there. Well, he really was. It was. A, it was a dumb, you know, Tib Street. This is. That was about 50, more than 15 years ago. It must have been nearly 20 years ago. No, You know, it wasn't like it is now. And why did you say no to the pie shop? I just went with my gut feeling. Simon. Um, I, I didn't know any of his business experience, although I do know he had a laundrette on Trib Street around that time. Um, and they used to do all the bands that came into town at the arena or whatever, bring the clothes for drive cleaning there. So I knew he was involved in that, but he wasn't hands-on. And he wanted 20 grand off me. Oh, right, OK. Same so more. it wasn't just like, yeah, let's have a go, you know. No. It's 20, 20 grand there. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. It was then, especially. Yeah, of course. 20 years ago, still is. For pies. <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, it would have been a meat, you know, it wouldn't have been a vegan pie. Well, it wouldn't one. in those days. No, no. But why do they just call it meat? Yeah, well, there is a bit of potato in there. No, I know, but what? why don't they call it the name of the meat? Do you mean like steak? Well, yeah, like lamb or... Well, they do now. Is it because they don't you, know you what it... You've got to shop like Bess is going to have a big list of them. Well, I know Get they do now. Want. I'm just worried that years ago they were just called meat and potato, and I Th think... They were. People's palates have changed. <laughs> We're all coffee aficionados now, according to the advert, aren't we? Yes. Which I think is quite true. I mean, not everyone drinks coffee. But I don't buy coffee. Do you buy coffee from a coffee place? I'm guilty, my lord. <laughs> yeah, step forward. Because I think that's the biggest waste of money. I cannot believe anybody. It is never hot enough. Yeah, but what about if you're driving all day? No. No, Simon. What? Make a flask. What if you drank it by the time you get right. to Aberdeen? Get it. <laughs> you can make another one once you get to Aberdeen. And with what? <laughs> you call in on your friend. And it's funny now when you see soaps and all the soap stars mm. have got a coffee. The what, on the show? Around. Yeah, they're walking around. What, advertising? Yeah, Starbucks they have, yeah. And like, Costa yeah. and stuff. I do like Starbucks. And I think... No, your house is two minutes away. Now go home and make a coffee. Right. It really gets on my nerves. Yeah, yeah. Because I think who's got money to just be throwing it around? Not a lot of people smoke now, though, do they? No. Is that what they've replaced it with? I think they might have done some, some of them, for sure. Yeah. Once, once an addict, always, you know. Mm. 
Okay, so we need a soundtrack for the letter C. What have you got? Well, I've got Cars and Girls by Prefab Sprout. I've got a Prince song, Money Don't Matter Tonight. I've got the Jackson Sisters, I Believe in Miracles. I've got the Damned, New Rose. The final one is Name of the Game by ABBA, my favourite ABBA song. Nice. This podcast was produced and edited by John. Post-production is by Carl Svensson at Tadar Media Limited. Music by Colin McGrath, Joe Brown, Johnny Smale and Simon Wollstonecroft. And the artwork is by Lee Dyer. This has been Funky Size, A to Z of Manchester. Manchester.